you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. All right, so we've been talking about this, choosing the way of the Lord for some time now. You guys know that. Uh, I want to read a couple more verses to you as we get into this this morning. We've, our foundation verse has been Isaiah 55, 8, 9, where the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, says uh, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so that's been our foundation. We're talking about uh, thinking about and and approaching God in such a way that his ways become our ways. And this is talked about, I mean, I'm just continue to find scriptures that are talking about God's ways, talking about our ways. And we've said over and over, our ways are those habitual ways ways of thinking and acting. So much of it, we don't even know necessarily that this is our way. This is the way we respond. This is the way we approach it. We picked it up from family. We picked it up from different influences, picked it up from experiences. It's just the way we approach life. And God's ways are the way that God approaches life, the way that he does things. And there's so many examples we could give, but the idea is we want God's way of being and thinking and doing to become our automatic response. We want that to become our way of doing things to where to where we don't even have to think about it. The Lord has so impressed himself and the way that he approaches something in life that when something comes up in life, it's, it's the first thing we think instead of the last thing we think. When, when you know, and it's just always such an easy example. If, if sickness comes into our life, okay, well, sometimes we approach that with a, you know, a number of different, a number of different ways. We start thinking about it. We start uh, kind of internalizing it. We start checking our body. We start doing all this instead of immediately stepping into a place of faith and trust in the healing virtue that belongs to us. We have to think about that, and then we do that. And, you know, that's better than not thinking about that and not doing that. But we can come to a place where, um, where that's the automatic response. When we, are, when we experience um, some kind of a, offense or rejection or something like that, okay, the automatic response can become mercy and love and compassion for that person and praying for them instead of going through what most of us go through and eventually hopefully get to the place of praying for them. We want his way of dealing with an offender to be our way of dealing with an offender. Jesus, and this is just something I've been thinking about recently, I heard some teaching on, Jesus on the cross, on the cross, having already been whipped and beaten, hung on a cross. Um, uh, He took the place of a convicted criminal, okay? He was put up there instead, and he was innocent. Criminals on both sides, people gambling for his clothes, 
he prayed for and forgave those people while he was in the midst of it. See, I don't usually do that. It takes me a while. Okay, I'd like to do that. But that's not my automatic response is to immediately move while the rejection, while the offense is still going on, to immediately move to compassion, to prayer, to intercession. That's, that's how the, does this make sense to you? That's God's way. We want that to become our way. Okay, let me give you just a couple more verses here. They're not going to be on your screen. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. This is an invitation that the psalmist gives to the Lord. I think this is just a great prayer. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That word try means to examine something in order to remove impurities. Okay, it's to examine something for the specific purpose of removing impurities, cleaning it up. And the psalmist is praying, Lord, uh, try my, search me, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And it's for the purpose of cleaning those areas up. It says, see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the way that produces eternal life. That is the, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll produce fruit and that fruit will be eternal. It'll be lasting, okay? So the psalmist is inviting God and this takes, this takes an understanding of God's nature. You gotta know that God is on your side. You gotta know that God wants the very best. He has the best life and he wants it for you. And then you can go to him and you can pray and say, Lord, if there are any ways that are not pleasing to you, I want those turned. I want those changed, Lord. And so if there are, know my thoughts, know my heart, because I can't fully know my heart. Only you really know my heart. And so I'm inviting you. I know your love for me. Please come and examine me. Bring these things to light so they can be removed. That's, that's a, a great prayer. And it, and it ends up, lead me in the way everlasting. Let's look at one more. Psalm 119, verse 59. 119.59. It says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Okay, so... I thought, I meditated, I thought about my ways, okay? And as I see where those ways are separate from your ways, the psalmist says, I turned my feet. So again, this was not a prayer, God, make me do this right, okay? You got to understand that God did give, free will is a gift from the Lord, he will do everything in his power to reach you, to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to empower you, to strengthen you. He won't violate your will because that would be to violate his own word. He gave us free will. Okay, So we want to use that freedom that we have to choose. We want to use that freedom well. Okay, We can use freedom. Freedom is a very good thing but it can be used in a very destructive manner. We've all seen that in the earth, okay? But the solution to that is not taking away freedom. 
That's not God's solution. Okay, the solution to that is for us, yikes, to use our freedom well, to choose the right thing. So the psalmist says, I thought about my ways, I turned my feet to your testimonies. Now we know that, you know, that means choosing a new direction that aligns with the way that God does things. But that word testimonies, it is a written or spoken record of what God has done. It is a written or spoken record of what God has done and what God has done because God is the same yesterday and today and forever because everything God does flows from his nature. So any record of what he has done points to his nature and teaches us something about who he is. So the psalmist is saying, I thought about my ways and I adjusted my feet. I turned my feet a different direction according to or or thinking on your testimonies. You know, this does come back. Honestly, I wasn't that big on the what would Jesus do thing, but that is what this comes back to, is knowing, God, what would you do? And this is a prayer. I don't know. I have to pray it all the time. I need your heart toward this situation. I need your heart toward that person. I need to see them the way you see them before I let words come out of my mouth or before I, before I even pray about the situation. I want to pray what you would pray, what you are, I believe, releasing by your spirit toward this person. I want to act toward them the way you would act, and I want it to come from the heart. I, I don't want it just to be an act. I, I need to know, I need to have, I need to hold, I need to move in your love for this person, this situation, whatever it is, okay? I don't always, with people, he pretty much always gives me that. If you pray that prayer sincerely, you will feel differently about that person. And you will be able to pray for that person no matter what they've done. He, he, he seems to, boy, be right, at least, he seems to be right on that prayer. With situations, I don't always get all the wisdom. I don't always get, I don't always know exactly how to pray. It's one of the reasons I pray in the spirit a lot. But whatever he does show me, that's what I want to pray over that situation. I want to, and so, so that's what the psalmist is saying here. You know, I've got ways <laughs> and I'm thinking about them. But when I see your way, I'm going to turn my feet that way. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so. Let's, let's get into this today. I don't know how far we'll get today. It doesn't matter too much. Um, we started on this actually a couple of weeks ago and we went kind of a different direction. But the first way of God that the Lord put on my heart to talk to us about is faith. Okay, and I've said this to you, I think, a couple of times. I'm going to repeat it this morning. We don't necessarily think of faith as a way that God functions. Many of us think of faith as something he sort of requires from us, okay? Something we're supposed to have and something we're supposed to do. And that's true, except that, and we went into this before, we need to remember God is actually the source of faith. It is not, he does not stand back and wait for us to work up confidence in him. Okay, the scripture tells us, Romans 10, 17, Faith comes 
by hearing and hearing and hearing and continuously hearing the word of God, the spoken word of God, the rhema word of God, what he is breathing into our hearts. That's where faith comes from. So faith is actually something God gives us, okay? And that's so important because otherwise we're going to think that God's asking us for something and he's just waiting for us to do it. And if you don't do it, tough luck, kid. You know, I'm waiting for you to work this up. That is not God's attitude. When we are lacking in faith and all of us do, we go to God, we draw upon God, we draw upon his word. We go back to those scriptures in whatever area it is. We go back to those promises. We go to the Lord himself. We ask him to breathe this, God, breathe this into me again. And he absolutely will do it. He is the source of faith. Why does that work? Because God is a God of faith. God does. We, I just think this is something we just don't think about in this way. When God speaks, he releases faith because God has total confidence in himself. He never doubts that what he says is going to come to pass. And we probably wouldn't say that he does. You know, we don't think he's surprised when his, his prophecy comes to pass, when he releases something and it happens. We don't think he's surprised but we don't think about it in terms of, okay, that's the way he moves. He moves in faith. And that's why he calls us to move in faith. And that's why he empowers us to live by faith. Okay. In fact, uh, just a verse, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when we are, I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit here. When we are faithless, or if we are faithless, God remains faithful because he can't disown or deny himself. Okay, so he never loses faith, okay? And I mean, that seems so simple to us, but it becomes important when we start talking about us adopting his way so that, again, faith for us becomes our first response, our automatic habitual response. Instead of... Something happens in life because we're on planet Earth, so stuff happens. If something happens in life and we think, you know, oh no, when's the next shoe going to drop? Oh no, how's that going to work out? How will this ever uh, work? Uh, what, what am I going to do now that my car's broken down? What am I going to do about this and that? And the other thing, it's not that those things aren't legitimate, but I believe we can come to a place where our first response, we can deal with all that stuff later. Those aren't bad questions. But our first response can be, the Lord is my provider. The Lord is the one who takes care of me. How are we going to do it, God? Do you see the difference in those two? Instead of going through, do you? Nobody? Okay, a couple of you. Good. Uh, Instead of going through as much of a process of worry and sleepless nights and all of that and coming around to a place of faith, wouldn't it be great to have that way, that confidence, that way of faith in our life where we're just stepping out in faith? There are questions that need to be answered. How is this going to work? But not, is this going to work? Okay. How are we going to get there? Great. He'll take us step by step. Does that make sense? Okay, so, you know, I, and I just want to go through these four things today, maybe a little bit more. Why are we looking 
at this subject in talking about the ways of God. And I already explained, part of that's because faith is one of his ways, okay? And, and we need it to be one of our ways. But I just, the Lord just gave me a few things to bring up. And the first one is that we're talking about his ways becoming our ways. Well, the scripture tells us that we, as children of God, we have this privilege that the scripture tells us that we are to be continually being conformed to his image, which means we're looking more and more like him. Our lives are looking more and more like his life. That's that process of renewing the mind. That's that process of being transformed as we spend time with the Lord. We, we should be, our lives should be looking more and more like Jesus. Our conversation should sound more and more like Jesus, not because we're striving for it, because that's real in our hearts. Okay, religion, you can put on a mask all day long and pretend to be something you're not, and it will break you because you know that it's not true, it's not, it's not who you are. Relationship with Christ, things actually change to where we begin to look more like him from the heart. Can you say amen? Okay. Romans 8.29 says, For those who God foreknew... How many of you know he knew you beforehand? Everybody got that part? Okay. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay. He predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. We would look like his son so that he could be the firstborn among many brothers. What God is looking for is a family resemblance. He's looking for us to look like father, us to look like big brother. And he knows that is impossible for us to do. He knows that, okay? He knows we are but dirt, okay? Little dirt people, that's what we are, okay? He knows that. So this is something the Lord does in us as we spend time with him. But there is to be a family resemblance. So if God is a God of faith, Jesus moves by faith, we are to grow into moving by faith. Does that make sense to you? Okay. It says, those he foreknew, he also predestined. So I just want to touch on that again. We've taught on it many times. That word predestined does not mean that God is just going to make it happen. And you're like, he predestined it. You've got nothing to do with it. Doesn't matter what you decide. It doesn't mean that. That word from the Greek, predestined, means God made all the arrangements for a specific end. Um, some of you are uh, probably having Super Bowl parties today. Some of you might be going to Super Bowl parties today. Someone is making a bunch of arrangements, whether that's you or somebody else. They're setting up their house. They're getting out snacks and whatever. They've got their, making sure their TV works. You know, it's got to be 10,000 inches, you know, or it won't be any good. You know, they're setting up the seats. They are preparing for you to have a good time there and to enjoy that game. That is the inherent idea in this word predestined. God put everything in place so that we, see, and you won't benefit, right, if you don't go to the party. 
If you don't choose to go, you won't benefit, okay? It's the same thing. We still, he does, predestination never violates freedom of choice, okay? But it gives, it puts everything in place. God has put his, he's, he has given his son to pay for our sins. He has made himself known to us. He has established a bunch of stuff in creation. So we could just, no matter how messed up we are, we can know God exists. I don't understand it, but this didn't happen by accident. You know, I mean, put a bunch of stuff out there. He gave us his word. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He has people that have been praying for you. He made all these preparations for us so that as we receive them, we can become more and more and more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what predestined means, okay? And, it, and so it, we end up with Jesus as the firstborn among many children, and there is a family resemblance, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us, we look at this verse a lot, this tells us some of how this happens. I'm reading it to you from the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that all of us as with unveiled face, and specifically that saying religion that, that kind of keeps us separate from God, that's, that's taken out of the way, okay? Unveiled face. We're in a face-to-face with the Lord. All of us as with unveiled face because we continue to behold in a mirror the glory of God, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, the Amplified Bible there, and it's in brackets, if you use the Amplified Bible, if it's in parentheses, it's something, it's an idea that's taken right out of the original language. It is inherent to the, it's a description. Uh, 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 an amplification of the word we're talking about. If it's in brackets, it's added by the translators. And for the most part, it's very good. But you just need to know that when you use the Amplified Bible. If it's in brackets, look at it, analyze it. It was added by the translators for a reason, but it's not the same. It's not just a part of the language. So the Amplified Bible here adds this. They say, all of us with unveiled face because we continue to behold in the word of God. Okay, they add that, that phrase, in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his, ever, into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. So just a couple things about that. The point there is, and, and I think that's a very valid point, is we look into the word of God, and as we look into it to see the glory of God, that's his divine essence. That's those characteristics of his nature that make God God. That's what his glory is in this kind of... So we're not just reading the Bible and then going to work, okay? We are... You may be reading the Bible and then going to work, but as you're reading the Bible, you're looking to know his nature. You are, you are pressing in. And the scripture says that's like looking into a mirror, which is, I've just always found this fascinating, this verse, because I'm looking at God's nature, but I'm looking in a mirror. When I look in a mirror, I see me, okay? But I'm seeing God, but I'm seeing me. This is what the scripture says. I'm seeing me, but it's God, but it's me, but it's God. I'm 
smart enough to know I'm not God. Okay, I got that much. I am not God. Okay, but as I look at him, I'm seeing a reflection of what he has for me, who he is calling me to be, who he has destined me to be, who he has predestined me to be, who he's made all the arrangements to be because there's supposed to be a family resemblance, okay? And, it, and I, I love this. It says, we will be transfigured. That's the same word that's used on the Mount of Transfiguration. Where remember, Jesus took James and John, they went up there and, and the cloud overshadowed shadowed them and Moses and Elijah showed up and Peter thought it'd just be a great idea to build huts and let's just all stay here. Forget those people down there. We don't need them. We don't need the rest of the disciples. Let's just stay here, Jesus, you know. But Jesus started to radiate with with that brightness of the, the visible glory of God. That's the same word that's used here of the transfiguration the Lord wants to do in our life from one degree of glory to Another, which tells us another thing about his desire for our life. No matter what you have experienced or what you are experiencing, don't get stuck in what has been. Not a, I don't care if it's family history. I don't care if you've fallen back into something a thousand times. I don't, you can't get stuck in what has been. You can't get stuck in just what is. I can't see beyond here. We'll look into the word and look into the glory of God. Ties in with the word we had this morning. The Lord will show you the way forward. You may not be there today, but he will take you forward. And it happens from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. God, I just need you to fix it all today. Ain't going to happen. And, I, and I've asked the question, you probably have too. Why? Why isn't it that when we give our life to Jesus, that we just receive the Holy Spirit and we're completely made new? The soul becomes totally new. My mind, my emotions, my will, everything looks just like him. Why not? My, I believe, you can ask the question, what the answer I've gotten from the Lord, and I believe it's right, is because I love the relationship. If all that happened, then what? I mean, you know, that's we will be completely transformed when we see him face to face. But I believe that this life and this walk is a time of seeking him and being changed degree by degree. And just like a father watching their children grow up, he loves Every moment of it and every moment is precious. That's what I think. I think it's because he loves relationship. But the point is, God is calling us. And and the reason we're looking at all this is because look at what he has for us to be constantly transfigured into his very own image. That is an amazing thing promise right there. That is an amazing truth about God's nature and God's desire. And it's going to happen one degree of glory to another. So that should be our expectation. I'm moving from glory to glory to glory. I, I, I do not, I don't care what has happened. The truth is God 
if I look to him, will move me from glory to glory to glory. I, I don't know. I can't get off of this. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Some of you have a family history. And it's like, this is how everybody's been. We've all been alcoholics or we've all been bitter. Or we've all had suicide, spirit of suicide in our family. We've all had this kind of health issue in our family. We have a new family. And you do not have to let that stop you from receiving verses like this into your life and knowing in your heart, I'm going to a new place. I think it's a wonderful thing in those situations to say, okay, that, we're not saying that didn't happen. We're not saying it doesn't have an influence. We're not saying it's not real. We're not denying any of that, but that's a fact, a natural fact. That is not truth. That is not eternal truth. And you know what? Whatever this is, it stops on this generation. It is done. It is finished. I'm not passing it on to my kids. I'm not passing it on to my grandkids. We are going a different place with God. And whatever that was, it's gone through however many generations. It can stop and it can die here. That vision can be in our hearts. That vision can be on the inside of you. And God will give it to you. Man, I, I can't. I can preach to you all day and it might encourage you, but only God and make that a reality in your life. And then you take hold of it and you start to speak it and you start to pray it and you start to live it. You don't have to make it happen. You just need to believe it. Does this make sense? Okay. There's at least four of you that got that song. <laughs> One more, Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. That word imitators is the word where we get the word mimic. Okay, we're just supposed to, you've seen little kids walk around behind their dad or behind their mom and just dress like them and act like them and just be so enamored with them. That's, that's the attitude of heart the Lord's looking for. Okay, so number two, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, why is it that we're studying this way, the, this way of God, the way of faith. Number two, it is through faith that we access the grace of God becoming who he created us to be. It's through faith that we access his grace. I know I've told you guys this a thousand times. That's okay. I'll keep saying it till I'm gone. Okay. It is through faith that we access the grace of God. And that's how we become who he's created us to be. That's how we receive all the benefits that are carried in his promises for ourselves but also for others. That's how we become a blessing, to bless other people. We have to receive, we have to have faith to connect with the grace of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Okay. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, through Jesus we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have gained access through Jesus. We have gained access into a grace that we stand in. Now remember that word grace. It does mean unmerited favor. It does. We have the favor of God. We don't deserve it. We, we have it. We stand in it. This shows us standing in a flow of, of unmerited favor. But that same word, charis, also means the divine ability that flows from God 
that empowers us to be who we could never be just on our own in our flesh. We could never become that person. But this grace is a divine flow of power and ability from God to be what we couldn't be on our own, to do what we couldn't do on our own. It's only by grace that we can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. It's only by grace that we can lay hands on people and and, uh, see them recover, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It's only by grace that we can dominate sin that used to dominate us. That's by grace, okay? Well, this verse says we stand in a river of grace, but we access that grace. We plug into that grace through faith, through confident trust in the Lord. Faith and grace work together. They are dynamic partners in receiving what God has already made available. This is the worst example in the world that I'm going to give you right now. Nevertheless, it's true. You probably, we have money in the bank, okay? And the other day, I went to the ATM. God's not an ATM. I know, just don't shut me off. Just get the principle here. I went to the ATM. I have a little card. It says faith on it. No, it doesn't. And I put it in the machine. And out came something that already belonged to me, but I didn't have access to. I couldn't, I couldn't spend the cash until I put the card in and received the cash, even though the cash already belonged to me. That's the way it is with all the promises of God. Jesus already died, already paid the price. He put, the Bible uses these terms that, that, that what Jesus died to give us is in our heavenly account. That's what it says. If that puts you off, get over it because that's the terminology the Bible uses. But, but we've got to access by faith. We've got to receive by faith. And, we're, and, and yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to treat God like an ATM. Good, don't. But know that something belongs to you. You're a part of the family. He has delivered health and healing. He has delivered not only freedom from the guilt of sin, but domination of sin. He's the ability to overcome sin in your life. He has, he, he has given us, he has died on that cross so that every area of our life could become that abundant life of Christ and and good relationships. I mean, we could go through the whole list. All of these things, they belong to us, okay? But they are access. It's a free gift, but you got to access it. And faith is the thing that accesses it, okay? So we do need to learn how to walk in faith. We do need to learn how to pray in faith. We do need to learn, and we're never going to get there today. Uh, I, I, want to, I want us to go from here in next week, probably. And I want to begin to look at Abraham and the way he lived his life because he is held up in the New Testament as the father of all who approach God by faith. In other words, not by works. We're not going to God and saying, I did this and this and this, or I didn't do that this week. And so, Lord, could you please help me? Could you please? Because, you know, I did pretty. We're not going about other people and saying, you know what? She's a really good person, God. So could you bless her? She, look at what she did for me. Look at what she did at the orphanage. Look at what she did. I don't know, whatever you, whatever you got. She's such a good person. Could you bless her? That's taken her works to God. Is this making sense? 
feel like I'm wandering all <laughs> over the place. And we don't want to take our works to God. He's already done the work. So we need, and that's, that's what Abraham did. He believed God before the law. 400 years before the law of Moses was ever given. 400 years before the rules were written down. Abraham just believed God. And it says, it was credited to him. That's an accounting word. Means something was deposited in his heavenly account. That's what it means, okay? It was credited to him as righteousness, as right standing with God. That example, 400 years before the law, is given to us over and over and over in the New Testament as he's the father of our faith, okay? So someday... I will be able to get to that part of this message, but that's not today. I want to give you these last two points and let you go today. So third one, why are we going to talk about the way of faith? Because, and this maybe should have been number one, it's impossible to live a life that pleases God without faith. Okay, It's just impossible. This is what God is looking for is just a life of trust. And again, it's not a challenge to you and I to work up faith. That's not what it is. But that's, you know, do you want your kids to approach you on the basis of works or on the basis of trusting and loving you? You know, I mean, put it into some kind of context that you can relate to. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's just a couple of things. We've got to believe that he exists. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much point in coming to God. And then we need to know a little bit about his character. He's a rewarder of people that just seek him. I just want to know you, Lord. He's a rewarder of that. When I know that about him, that's the beginning of living by faith. Well, I'm going to trust that person. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to trust him. Okay, a life that pleases God is lived by faith. It's lived in partnership with him and in dependence on him, leaning into him, not a life of self-sufficiency, not a life of coming to the Lord and saying, okay, I've got this all together now. Could you do something? All right. It's a life of dependence on him, trusting him, leaning into him. Something comes up in life, we're going to lean into him. Something's lacking in life, I'm going to lean into him, okay? Because he's my source. He loves me like nobody else. He sent his son to die for me. He has poured out every, every promise in the Bible is yes and amen to us in Jesus Christ. Just, just astounding, okay? So living a life of dependence on God, I just need to throw this in, does not mean that it is holy and humble for us to stay broken for us to celebrate brokenness that's not that's not what we're talking about here and they're you know not being critical it's just a fact there are a lot of believers who do that they and they believe they're honoring god in it maybe they are i'm not it's not my job to judge their hearts but it's but it's this we're always broken my conversation is about how broken i am my conversation is about you know, what's wrong in my body. My conversation is about how hard life is. My conversation is that I'm just always broken. Again, I'm, I'm, I hope, I, this probably sounds critical. It's not my heart, okay? 
But that's not what we mean by a life of dependence on God. There again, God told Paul, okay, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, he said, all glory in my weakness because the Lord's strength is made perfect in my weakness. And, and what that means is that word perfect means complete. In other words, it finds completion through me. I'm hoping I can describe this. I hope you're getting this. So, so I have this weak place and I depend on God for it. I don't expect to just stay weak and say, God, you get glory because I'm weak, okay? What I expect to do is see that thing repaired, not, not instantly necessarily, repaired. I no longer struggle with this. Praise God, because I didn't do that. I no longer struggle with alcohol. I no longer struggle. I don't run around thinking, man, I sure would like to smoke dope, even though that was a massive part of my life for years. All my friends... Dope and hang gliders. That was it. That was, that was my whole life, okay? And all my friends revolved around those things. Although, you know, it was just, that was my world. Well, I don't struggle with any of that. Anymore. I don't struggle anymore with alcohol. I, don't, I just don't glory to God. I was weak. The Lord's strength was made perfect in that. But I'm not going around saying for the rest of my life, I'm an alcoholic, and the reason I say is because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not tempted. I don't, I don't even think about it. You know, I'm just not. And that can apply, and again, I'm not being critical. I understand about the 12-step programs. and all. I get it, okay? I'm just saying our expectation in a life of faith should be for growth. I've, you can be, and you could take this into any area, I've got this broken place in me. It might be shame. It might be fear. It might be, uh, it might be an addiction. It might be pornography. It might be anything. That is where I am today. I'm not denying that, but I am saying I will not stay here because I'm going to live by faith. I may go up and down. It may take a while. It may take years. But you know what? I am being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. All right, so this thing is going to change. Does that make sense to you? Okay, that, so, so living a life that's pleasing to God, really what God's looking for is just that you're looking to him. It's just that you're not satisfied with where you are today. You're not going to camp on that hill and dig in the rubble. You're not, you know, you, are, you have got it in your heart. I'm not going to be perfect till the day I see him, but I'm not stopping here. Does that make sense? Okay, that is what he's looking for. In Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's it. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. It's not my sufficiency. Okay. Okay, we, we need to move on. I'm just about done. Last one, God has called us, invited us really, into a life of faith. It is his way, and he's invited us into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Okay, most of you know this. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we 
walk by faith. You know, you have to make that statement by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Let me read that to you one more time. We walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. I walk by faith, not by sight. That doesn't mean that I deny what I'm seeing. And we're going to see this in Abraham's life. It's so clear. Doesn't mean we pretend that the problem doesn't exist. That's not the deal. The deal is, and it says this in Romans chapter 4, God is a God who calls those things which are not yet as though they were. So we look, here's the problem. I'm calling in what God has provided. Okay, He gives life to the dead. Here's a dead spot in my life, man. I'm going to speak life into that thing. I'm going to pray life into that thing. I'm going to bring the scripture into that thing. I'm going to get prayer for that thing. Life will be where right now there's death. I'm not pretending that the, that the natural fact isn't there. I'm grabbing hold of the heavenly reality and bringing it in. That is our role. Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That's not a request. That is a declaration that the Lord has called us to make. One last verse. You okay? You got that? You got one more verse in you? This is how we do that. Walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Okay? That, you know, back when it said we walk by faith, that's a Greek word, peripateo. It means that we walk all around in a certain environment. Everywhere we go, there's this environment with us. This is probably a really bad example, but those of you who are old enough to remember Pigpen in uh, Peanuts, there's always this little, this little dust going around with him. That's, that's us walking by faith. We have this, this, this environment of faith that we are walking through the natural reality in, okay? And it says the way we do that is we fix our eyes not on what we can see because what we can see, taste, hear, smell, feel, experience on this earth, that's all temporal. And that's something, boy, sometimes it's temporary for a long time, right? Sometimes it's temporary for way longer than I want it to be here. And this is something we have to remember. And we have to speak to the mountains, speak to the fig tree, speak to the problem. You are temporary. God's word is eternal. We got to get this stuff in our heart, man. It's, it's this thing. It's, it's very real in the natural, but it isn't eternal. It isn't here forever. God's word is is eternal. God's word has ascendancy and authority over whatever this thing is that you're experiencing, that your kids are experiencing, that our community is involved in, whatever it is. If we can see it, it can go away. It can change. And it's such a, you know, we've been through this so many times. It's like, this is the way it is right now. This is the way it is. We're praying into it. We're speaking to it. This is the way it is. 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 And then one day it's not. One day it has changed. One day the breakthrough has come. And it can seem like such a long time. And then one day 
it's, it's done. You know, it's done. And it's always kind of amazing and wonderful to come to those places. One day, that problem is behind me, okay? You'll get there. But we can't fix our eyes and only pray about and only think about and only converse with our friends about what we're seeing. We got to get our eyes fixed on the unseen. You got to look at what you can't see. I, I could go on with that for a long time. I'm going to stop. Oh, it's already time. Did you do okay today? Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's stand up and pray this morning. I needed to get that out. I'll feel a lot better. I'll sleep this afternoon while you're in turmoil. It'll be wonderful. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Father God, we love you so much. I love your word so much. It is so powerful. It is so alive. And, And I believe, Father, teasing aside, Lord, your word is life. And I believe, Father, as we talk about these things, Lord, we want to be people of faith. We want to be people who walk by faith. It's just one aspect of your ways. But God, Lord, we're asking, build us, strengthen us, teach us. Specifically, this last thing we talked about, Lord, help us to learn how to, in a very practical way, keep our eyes fixed on that promise. Keep our spiritual eyes fixed on what we can't see. Lord, as you build a vision for something that doesn't exist yet into our hearts, Lord, we choose, we're going to hang on to that. We're going to think on that. We're going to speak that. We're going to pray that until we see it come to pass in this earth. Not just for us, Lord. We know this is our role in the earth. We thank you that every blessing you bring into our life empowers us to be a blessing to others. We thank you, Father God, that everything you do in us, Lord, yeah, it's a blessing to us. But Father, it is to give away to others. And Lord, as this church, as this people goes out into this community, for those online, as they go out into their world, Father, we believe that this week, Lord, they are lights in dark places. They, they carry and communicate the word of God. They carry and release the presence of God. Father, you're building something new in every person that's hearing this. You are bringing up something fresh and something new and something bigger. Lord, and I pray for everyone to have that vision in their hearts of their life. Lord, we will not be stuck in what has been. We will not be stuck in where we are today. Lord, we are going forward with you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, all things are possible with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Boy, okay. We're going to be dismissed. You guys be blessed and you go out there to be a blessing. I just encourage you to, you know, there's a lot of snacks out there. Take care of them. Wipe them out. You're a bunch of locusts. Just take care of it. Okay. All right. We're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. We're going to go out and be the church, right? Let's say it. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Love to pray with you. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.